This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Using Hostfully, you can create a free digital guidebook for your listing so that you can save time creating a professional experience for every guest that comes and visits your spot. Learn more at hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Now, it's been a while since we did a Airbnb news update, and so I decided to invite Margot Smorak, CEO of Hostly, on the show to kind of discuss what's been going on in the world of Airbnb. So, Margot, welcome to the show. Thank you. Woo, get paid for your pad. How long Yay. have you been doing this show, Jasper? <laughs> I think since August 2014. Wow. Yeah. Five-year five anniversary is coming up. I should, I should really check out when my first ever episode was. So yeah, exactly. Do something, uh, do something cool on, uh, on the five-year anniversary. Actually, I'm looking out. Oh, Damn, I've already passed it. It's July 20th, 2014. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo, happy anniversary. That's cool. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Good that you brought it up. Yeah, actually, my husband and I just celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary last weekend, so we're on track with you. Same thing, actually, like July 26th. So, yeah, but congratulations, five years. That's a long time. So you're, you can basically split up your marriage into the pre-get-paid-for-your-pad time and then the post-get-paid-for-your-pad period. And that's how I will think about my marriage <laughs> for the next decade. I'll be like, Has, have, you, have you been together as long as get-paid-for-your-pad? Like <laughs> five years. No, it's, it's good. Very cool. I'm excited to be here. There's, there's some interesting things to talk about this week. Not, nothing huge, like earth-shattering, but some interesting articles around the internet, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, what's really intriguing is this report, this online travel industry report by Cleveland Research Company that you just shared with me. So I had a quick glance and there's some pretty interesting stuff in there. So why don't we start with that? Yeah. So this is a research company that's looking at accommodations, the accommodations market. And as a company in this space, and I'm sure for your listeners too, it's always interesting to know like how big is the market and how much is it growing and how much are the relative parts of the market growing. The report looks at accommodations in general. It looks at hotel accommodations versus vacation rentals and sharing economy. And it looks like the growth rates in those different segments are, are different. You want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be interesting to share some of these numbers. Yeah. So um, the global accommodations market is $675 billion, and that is 40% of the travel industry. The travel industry is huge. Let's just start there. <laughs> a lot of people spend a lot of money on travel. But then when you look at the accommodations market, it's also really, really big. And okay, so like pop quiz, let's do, do this for, it'll be fun. So out of the total um, accommodation spend, what percentage do you think is from vacation rentals versus hotels and other accommodations? So I'll, I'll, let's say A, 10%, B, 17%, and C, 20%. The answer is B. It's 17%. So vacation rentals are 17% of the total accommodations market. Is that vacation rental, including the sharing economy 
primary residence rentals because basically this report makes a division. They mm -hmm. established three categories, right? Hotels, traditional mm -hmm. vacation rentals, which are entire homes in typically in holiday resorts. And then there's like what they call the primary residence. That's where the owner actually uses the residence and, and rents out when the owner is away or when, or renting out shared rooms, right? Those are the three categories. Yeah, exactly. And, and the shared economy is 6%. So that's like renting out your primary residence and the vacation rental segment is 17%. But I have to say that like, just a side note, I think that there's a blurred line between shared economy and vacation rental because what we're seeing at Hostfully is that a lot of times people will um, rent out their primary residence and then they'll take on a few other rentals. And then at what point does that become a vacation rental industry versus sharing economy inventory? It's kind of interesting. So yeah, there's definitely an overlap there. Yeah. But anyway, it's still good. Interesting to see the relative sizes of them. So they've got almost $500 billion in the hotel market versus 115 in vacation rentals and 44 in primary residence. Says 114, but I like rounded up there. Right. So anyway, there's but if you combine that market together, it's still you know about 150 billion, which is a really large market. But I think the interesting insight that this report brings is that it's growing at different rates. Yes, um, that's that's the most yeah. interesting part I find from this report. And I'm kind of what what I didn't expect. Okay, so let's let's call out the numbers first. So the hotel yeah. industry is expected, because these are expectations, right? Expected to grow at four to 5%. Vacation rentals are expected to go at three to 4%, so lower than hotels. And then primary residence, as they define it, is, is expected to grow at 30 to 40%, which is a lot huge. higher. Yeah, yeah, it's really huge. Yeah. So, so where is that I, coming from? <laughs> I mean, I understand that the primary residence, I understand that's growing faster because it's a newer industry. Like vacation rentals have been around for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. I think what Airbnb really brought to the market was the fact that now people were renting out their, their own residences, places where they live and renting out spare rooms, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and so it makes sense that that grows faster. Um, and maybe maybe Airbnb is, is taking away a little bit from what's defined as the traditional vacation rental space as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and okay. so, you know, people who would traditionally would list on uh, HomeAway or VRBO, they would now use Airbnb for, uh, for the same purpose, to rent out their, their vacation homes. And so okay. I don't know exactly how, how the overlap is in terms of these definitions, but it was surprising to see that the vacation rental markets, as defined by, by these people, is growing slower than the hotel industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so definitely there's a blurred line between those two different types of um, properties um, or listings. Um, but the other thing that they're noting here is that actually there's a change in how much the consumer is going to pay to rent. And they show really different commission rates for vacation rentals versus primary residents. So for primary residents, they show that the consumer would pay between 6 and 12%, which is like more consistent with Airbnb pricing. But then for vacation rentals, they're showing that the consumer would pay between 0 and 8, which is like not completely ruling out Airbnb pricing. But it's interesting that they're trying to draw a division between like more of a share of what the consumer is going to cover of the cost of the rental for those two different markets. 
So anyway, it's a good report. They've done a really nice job of looking at the financial statements of VRBO slash HomeAway, Booking.com and Airbnb, and then looking at trends that are happening throughout the three. So if, if you're a person who loves to like look at market studies and understand where you fit in and look at those different growth rates, I definitely recommend checking it out and giving it a download and spending a few minutes reading through it. Yeah, the other interesting thing I, I see there is, and they don't have all the numbers from Airbnb, right? Because Airbnb is private, so they don't have to disclose all this information. Mm-hmm. I think Booking.com actually has more of alternative accommodations listings than Airbnb, but the estimated uh, bookings for Airbnb is, uh, is about double of that of Booking.com. Mm-hmm. So Airbnb's listings are getting booked more than booking.com's listing or they're, are they higher priced either way. So that's quite interesting because booking.com like to tout that they have more listings than Airbnb, mm-hmm. but they're only doing half of the revenue. So Exactly. Yeah, it's very interesting, which I don't think it surprises people who are in the industry. Like, are you surprised by that? Um, no, not really, because people yeah. look at booking.com as a hotel booking website. And by the way, I have to correct what I just said. According to this report, booking.com actually has about the same amount of listings uh, reported listings is is about six million for both Airbnb and Booking.com, but still, it's interesting yeah. that you know Airbnb is uh, doing twice the amount of revenue. That's what I was going to say. It's about Booking's revenue, right? That you're yeah alluding to. Yeah, interesting. So basically, they are twice as efficient with their inventory. Airbnb is in terms of bookable nights and everything like that too. Exactly, and um, by the way, there's uh, it says on Booking.com, uh, 100% of uh, listings are instantly bookable, mm-hmm. 100%, so every single one, and then VRBO, HomeAway, it's 63%, and mm-hmm. now this is a nice bridge into another article that I saw that talks yes. about the amount of listings that's instantly bookable on Airbnb um, at uh, 7 out of 10 listings now, so that's 70%, so that's more than HomeAway and, and VRBO. Yeah. I mean, the instant booking is super important for the business model of Airbnb. And actually we've heard in San Francisco that Airbnb is running some focus groups with hosts and hosts, you know, this is a a challenge for hosts, right? Because now you're under a lot of pressure to make your listing instantly bookable because presumably they're going to give you better SEO in the platform, but then it, it reduces your ability to control who you have stay there. And I think there are fewer ways to screen out potential bad apples as guests. So it's been interesting to see how they've been managing through that and really shifting their focus from trying to find a way to make it comfortable for hosts because they they want this instant bookable feature and they need it for the business model, but they also want to be able to keep hosts happy and, and wanting to you know promote on the platform. So the two work together. Yeah, I think a, a really good change that Airbnb has made, it used to be the case that you could cancel penalty-free only up to three bookings a year. Mm-hmm. And I think they made a good move because now they've changed that. And now you can cancel as many bookings as you want, as long as it's based on your host not feeling comfortable. It can't be based on like the profile picture or you know any sorts of uh, demographics or anything like that. It has to be because you don't feel comfortable hosting the guests. So I think they, they've, um, they've added some, some more control actually to people that are using Instant Booked in, in order to pr- you know, promote Instant Booking. Uh, and I think it's a very important tool to make the platform guest friendly uh, mm-hmm. or user friendly, I should say. Yeah. Well, and, and by doing that, like they're, all they're doing is they're asking the host to take responsibility for 
um, the screening, but just after the booking is made, you know what I mean? Like if it's a really serious issue and you're like, oh, this person's going to come here to party or like they, you know, they clearly have abused the properties they've stayed at in the past, then like it's a very fair case, right? They just pushing it to their customer support team or customer service team to manage instead of automating it in advance. Um, yeah, it's good. I'm on a bunch of host forums and it's really fascinating to read through some of the communications that people have with potential guests. Also, I, this is just random story, but I was in Israel a few weeks ago and um, on the flip side as a traveler booking, there was a listing. There were two identical listings in this apartment building in Israel that I was staying at and one was available on Airbnb, but it wasn't available for the dates that I wanted to say. And then the other one was available only on booking.com. So I ended up booking on booking.com. And I, I stayed in this place and it was fine, but it had some like issues. Like, like you sat on the couch and you got like a rash, but there were no bed bugs. And like the doors to the rooms didn't open all the way because they would like scrape against the floor. It was like some like issues, you know? And I talked to this other person who ended up booking the mirroring unit, which was a list on Airbnb. And she said that Airbnb had taken that listing down, the one we'd stated because of the safety concerns. It was interesting to hear that, that Airbnb had actually taken down a place because of guest complaints, which were unfortunately the same complaints I have when I had when I stayed there. <laughs> so I felt a little bit silly, but it was okay at the end of the day. But it, I felt a little bit like a fool because basically I had not used the more extensive screening methods on Airbnb and I had gone with booking.com instead and had to suffer with some quality. So it's a great example of like the brand differentiation between these two companies and how Airbnb is still really trying to protect its brand and its whole experience for hosts and for guests. Whereas booking.com is really an OTA and it's kind of like wild west and like whatever happens happens. So it was fascinating yeah. no, <laughs> experiencing it firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a pretty good way to distinguish the two. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, Airbnb Adventures has been launched, yes. and it didn't go very smooth. <laughs> well, you found the like nice article in Fast Company about it. Um, it was like Airbnb launches adventures, and they're taking advantage of all their tools that they've acquired, like Resi and Kluke. And then I unfortunately saw the other one, which was like. Airbnb launches these multi-day adventures and it's a disaster. <laughs> so it was covered in different ways. Do you want to, should we start with a good one first? <laughs> so basically Airbnb is uh, launched like these multi-day trips. I don't know how long exactly the first one was. It was like five days or something like that. Well, I think it's uh, you can do overnight trips as well. I think those are the shortest. I just had a look at at the adventures um, part of the of the website, just to see if there's any adventures around here in Barcelona, I couldn't I couldn't find any, but they but they kicked it off with this thing called Around the World in 80 Days, um, where they take 12 people to six continents, 18 countries, one extraordinary adventure, and it looked pretty cool actually. Uh, it sold out by the way. It says it's five thousand dollars per person, but then I think there's another like. $2,000 more or less of other costs or fees because I noticed somewhere it said it was like 6,900 and, and something, but it's a 12 week trip. Oh, um, wow. So, so it's, yeah, so it's, it's a pretty cool, uh, it's a pretty cool trip, but uh, a bunch of people, they, they try to book and they will like double charge and they were only opening up a couple spots every now and then. So there was all sorts of stuff going on on Twitter so it it definitely wasn't uh, very, wasn't very smooth, but yeah, it's an interesting sort of pivot from the experiences. Although the experiences are still there, so it's more like an additional 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's like integrated experiences, right? And then they're also doing flights as, as well as part of the trip. Do you know? No, flights are not included. Okay, so for the, the 80 days around the world trip, the, yeah. the flights are included, but not to the starting point and getting back to home. So it starts and ends in England. So you have to book your own ticket to get there and to mm. come back, right? Got it. Just like a cruise or something then. Yeah, Basically. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. September 1st uh, until November 19th. Uh, we'll probably see, uh, see some pictures and some, uh, some reports on the Airbnb website or on, on social media. Yeah, I mean, I think the first one is going to be like a bunch of people who are really excited travelers. But the question is, can this really scale? You know, like it's really complex. So I get that Airbnb can definitely curate an awesome trip. I think they have all the data and they have the knowledge and expertise to do it. But then it's really about like, how do you scale this? And is it worth it because of how complex it is to manage? The the brands that I think of that do this are very expensive luxury brands that charge a lot of money as a commission on top of the trip, like Inspirado or, you know, some of those brands. And they don't even try to hide the fact that it's really expensive (laughs) to use their services. They just assume that you can pay for it. So it'll be interesting if Airbnb can create as kind of well curated of an experience, but at much lower price point, because I think that's what people are expecting, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it takes a lot of uh, manpower to uh, curate and to, um, do the due diligence. Like I, I read that 80% of experiences that are uh, suggested by users are actually rejected. So that kind of shows that, you know, you need a pretty big overhead to, uh, to go through all these applications and stuff and, and figure out whether it should be on the platform or not. Mm-hmm. Totally. So that's, I definitely see that, that issue as well. Yes, I agree. Also, let's see. Um, and another thing that I'm pretty excited about is and I remember when you remember when Brian Chesky did this, this Twitter chat where people could ask him questions and and they could also suggest like yeah, what they want to like see. A, it was like, what do you wish wish you could do most with the Airbnb platform or something like that? It was like open ended discovery yeah. needs discovery of customers. Yeah, and I think one of the most requested features was for people to be able to earn miles with or mm-hmm. get points right through Airbnb right. stays. That is now possible, but but not directly for Airbnb. But there's now three airlines, and each of them is in a different airline network. So Delta has partnered with Airbnb to allow Sky Miles members to earn one mile per dollar spent on all Airbnb rentals worldwide. Mm-hmm. So there's a this is there's a, a kind of like a clone of the Airbnb website, it's, uh, deltaairbnb.com. You can book your Airbnb, and then if you're a member of the Delta Reward Program, then you get uh, you get miles for your Airbnb. So anybody who has uh, Sky Miles with Delta should be very excited about this. But also Qantas, the Australian airline, you get a 20,000-point reward if you list your home on Airbnb or if you book an Airbnb rental. So that's 20,000 points. That's pretty good. And you can earn points for Airbnb bookings through the Japanese airline ANA as well. Hmm. You have to book through this website. So like I booked, uh, I booked a few places recently on Airbnb. Unfortunately, I haven't done it through this website. So just make sure that if you want to do it, you got to book through it, deltaairbnb.com. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so you you put in your your Skalmas number, and then you you're re, essentially redirected to Airbnb, but they can stay they just track track that you've uh, the, what what you book. Yeah, and then, the, 
Yeah, it's like an affiliate deal. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So that, that's pretty cool. I mean, that'd be really fun if, uh, if all the airlines uh, start doing that because I think that's, uh, that's really, people love points. I, I love points too. <laughs> I want more points. It's so cool because every now and then you just look at your points and you're like, oh, oh I, I have a free, free yeah, yeah exactly. like a free return flight or you get upgraded. Upgraded, yeah. Upgrade. So yeah, that's, that's, that's cool that, uh, that that's an option now at least. That is really cool. Yeah, they've done a good job structuring points, so they are kind of delightful like that. Like, I don't think people count on their points, but they are delightfully surprised by them. So that's good. Yeah, it's like a little present. Exactly. All so, right, what uh, else? Well, in Europe, there, there's been some controversy for a while yes. over the European Union doesn't, didn't like that Airbnb was not very transparent with the pricing, right? You go on Airbnb and then you see, oh, this place costs 150 bucks a night. So I book it for three nights and then it costs $450. Mm-hmm. And book it and then there's $100 of fees and there's occupancy taxes, then there's a cleaning fee. And in the end, you end up paying like 700 bucks, uh, which is a lot more than the, the 450 that you initially had in mind. So now the Europeans told Airbnb, you have to show the real price from the get-go. So Airbnb has, uh, has now implemented this. And so if you're in Europe and you book an Airbnb in Europe, then you get to see the full price, including all fees. Super important because it's always a nasty surprise when something is like 40% more than you thought, <laughs> which can happen. Have you done this when you book places where you look at the cleaning fee? Like I'll, I'll do this actually. I'll go through and like go through the whole purchase process because the cleaning fees can be really different. Like sometimes when we book a house, the cleaning fee can be as low as like $60 and as high as $250. So it's a really big difference in the end price. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I usually do is I, I just uh, select the listings where I want to stay and then I just fill in the dates and then I just compare like the, the final prices. The final price, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, sometimes it's a big difference. So you, you, know, you, you select a couple of listings and you're thinking, oh, this one's the cheapest one. But then when, once you fill in the dates, it suddenly turns out, oh, this is not the cheapest one. Yeah. Right? So I, think, I mean, I think it's a good idea to improve the transparency. And I would love to see Airbnb actually do that uh, worldwide. So right now it's only in Europe. And I mm-hmm. think it's even like if you're, if you're actually outside of Europe, so if you were to book a listing in Europe, you might not see this right. price and privacy because, because you're in the US, right? When you're, when you're looking at it. So anyway, I think, yeah, I think they should implement this uh, worldwide. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. a good way to go. Let's see. What else do we do? Uh, um, Airbnb introduces new search tools for business travelers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I noticed there's an extra, essentially it's an extra filter. All right, yeah, so, I was gonna say, what is this? Because they, they launched Airbnb for work for a while ago, right? But it's just a new way for people to search through that inventory. Yeah, exactly. So now when you go on Airbnb, the first thing that you see is like you have these four categories, right? You have stays, you have mm-hmm. experiences, you have adventures, and you have restaurants, which I still haven't haven't used. Um, but now at first you click on stays, and then you see all these filters, right? Dates, guests, work. But now there's work trip. It's the third filter. So you click on work trip. And then it asks you, like, are you traveling for work? And then you say yes. And then it's basically Airbnb is going to show you all the places that they think are really good for business travelers. So, for example, the places that business travelers have rated very high in the past. But isn't there also a certification program or something that, like, 
asks hosts a specific set of questions to make sure that the place is well suited for work travel or not? Yeah, yeah, I I think that's a that's a different thing though. Oh, I it think, is. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's that's a different thing. I, I believe. I think this is just a, a a way for Airbnb to to make it sort of like easier for people to find spaces that are suitable for business travelers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I think it's separate from what you're talking about. Oh, okay, interesting. So yeah, that's uh that's cool. Did you have anything else you wanted to chat about? Uh, I don't have anything else. The summer is going. It's, you know, cold here in San Francisco like it is every summer and everywhere else it's very hot. I hope people all around the world are surviving the heat. How how did you do last week? It's really crazy hot where you were. Are. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. okay. There was a heat wave in uh, in northern Europe. Where, yeah. But here in Barcelona it was pretty it was alright. But they broke the temperature record in, yeah. in Holland. It was uh, it was over almost 40 degrees, which was higher than ever in in Holland, so I'm sure yeah. in Holland, people don't have AC, so I'm sure a lot of people are having trouble sleeping at night. Yeah, exactly. No AC, no fans, probably either. <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, no, it was really good talking to you again and covering some of the latest news. I think, um, it, you know, all this stuff is really gearing up for Airbnb's expected IPO, which is still happening, but we don't know when. So <laughs> probably keeps- that'll be... A big always, moment in the news when it happens. And they always postpone it, so who knows? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but um, I just want to finish up um, by saying that on getpaidforyourpet.com slash podcast, you can find all the show notes, of course. And I'm going to try and include a download link so that people can download this report that we started with. I think it's a really interesting report. If you're, if you're in the industry, it's definitely worth a read. And if you're uh, just generally interested in in this space, then uh, it's a pretty good read too. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, uh, I'll put a download link. I'll send out an email as well. So if, if you're not on my email list, uh, make sure you sign up at getpaidforyourpet.com. Oh yeah. Another thing I wanted to say is uh, I get a lot of questions over, over email and I've always kind of tried to respond to everybody through email, but it's, it's getting a little bit too much. And so I was thinking, what am I going to do? I can't respond to all these emails. And so I thought of a, a better way to do it. So in my Facebook group, Get Paid for Your Pad, uh, which is open, everybody can uh, join. I'm gonna just every Wednesday at 9 a.m. PST, I'm just gonna do a Facebook Live session where I literally go through all the questions that uh, that people have sent me, and so it could be interesting to uh, to watch. Or you can also join and ask your questions there. I found out, I figured out a really uh, cool system on how to do this. When people send me an email now, it automatically goes into an Excel sheet using a tool called Zapier, which is, by the way, a really cool tool. If it's you're, so cool. Zapier, yeah. you can basically build a whole company using Zapier. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's really awesome. It's really awesome. It's, I mean, I'm sure if you're managing like a lot of Airbnb listings, it could be a really cool tool as well because um, mm-hmm. you can just connect all different services and it's really fun. But anyway, so Wednesday, 9 a.m. PST or 12 p.m., Eastern time, uh, I'll be live in uh, in the Facebook group. Get paid for your pad, so you can you can join me. You can ask questions, or you can look at me while I'll talk about other people's questions. Essentially, mm-hmm. yeah, cool, awesome. All right, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining, and uh, I'll uh, I'll see you back in a couple months. I'm, I'm definitely going to see you at the VMRA in uh, New Orleans in uh, yeah early October. So. Exactly. That's coming up. And also, um, we're going to be at VRMA. We're also hopefully, and I will be at, at ResFest as well. So if you're get paid for your pad listener and you want to come and say hi and chat, I'll be, I'll be at both of those shows. So come find me there. 
Awesome. All right, Marco, thanks a lot for joining. And to the listeners, thanks for listening. And of course, uh, next Thursday, there will be another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad.